Hey there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. And now, we hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan. And on this week on Wandering DMs, we have oh. Luke Gygax as a special guest. And of course, Luke is executive manager of GaryCon coming up in a couple weeks. He's president of GaxWorks. He's the creator of a whole bunch of adventures and campaign worlds. And generally speaking, quote, a guy who should know a little something about D&D, unquote. So Luke, thank you so much for making time this morning <laughs> <laughs> to join us. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's always fun to come on and talk about things that I love, which is, you know, gaming, gaming conventions and and the whole world of, of fantasy uh, role-playing gaming. That's the best. It is. So it is. I, so we're I, talking I mean, to Luke today and all that and more today on Wandering DMs. <laughs> uh, before, before we jump into things, Dan, I'm just going to remind everyone that uh, at the end of the show, we do have our after-party chat that happens on our private Discord. Uh, if anybody who's interested in joining in on that, that uh, that happens uh, two o'clock uh, Eastern here, and uh, uh, you can do so by joining our Patreon. Uh, that'll get you at any of the levels. That'll get you access to our private Discord. Uh, you can find that at Patreon.com/slash/WanderingDMs. Yeah, we love that. And I'll also remind people: if you're on YouTube, uh, we have uh, the super chat available on YouTube. So if you have a question for Luke, feel free to super chat that, and we'll make absolutely sure to get that on screen uh, for Luke to respond to. So uh, what do we get? This is Gary Khan. What number at this point, Luke? If you can believe it, it's already Gary Khan 15. It's, it's really hard for me wow. to process that, uh, that it's been that many years. But yeah, my, my, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, Gary Khan is a memorial convention that I hold in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, the birthplace of D&D and also the birthplace of me. Uh, uh, and it's in honor of my dad. Uh, he wrote Dungeons and Dragons in our little tiny home on 330 Center Street. In Lake Geneva, uh, gosh, between 1972 and 1973, published it in 1974, uh, and I've been playing since probably 1975. I think was my first game, just as a you know, just as a kid. I was rolling dice, but you know, what, what does that do? You know, I pick up the dice, great. You know, I hit it, <laughs> uh, which is which is great. I've done that with my kids, and it's pretty pretty exciting stuff. But uh, anyway, yeah, you know, my dad passed away March 4th of 2008, and uh, we hold uh, you know. Anyone who's experienced the death of a parent knows just kind of how horrible and traumatic that is. No matter if you're prepared for it or not, it just uh, is is one of these events that you know it changes your life. And uh, I was in the you know just kind of facing that initial shock. And uh, as I was experiencing that, I was looking at posts and and getting phone calls uh, from people. I was in recruiting command at the time in the army, and uh, uh, people were calling. And they weren't, you know, they didn't expect me to answer the phone, but, it, you know, of course, it's my work phone, so I'd answer it. Uh, and it was, it was people, you know, like senior officers and stuff just saying, oh, my God, I grew up playing D&D &D and I'm so terribly sorry for your loss. I, you know, it feels like somebody, it feels like someone that's close to me passed away. There's somebody that's important to me passed away, although I never met your dad. Dungeons and Dragons was so influential in my life. I feel that I 
have a debt of gratitude to your father. And uh, it began to dawn upon me that D&D was more than just a really cool, fun pastime, that it changed people's lives. Uh, but needless to say, I, I, I realized, well, you know, some folks were hopping in cars and driving to Lake Geneva from across the country. And I said, well, we've we got to probably do something, you know, have something for, for these people who are going to just show up, right, to Lake Geneva. It's not that big of a town. There's not that much to see. So uh, I rented the American Legion Hall. And my brothers and sisters helped me put together a little gathering uh, where we played the D&D cartoon. We had a podium up uh, where people could, could share uh, stories about my dad. And everybody played games, had, uh, you know, we brought dishes to pass and uh, had a beverage of their choice and shared stories about my dad. And it was a, just a great time. And uh, Harold Johnson uh, said to me, hey, Luke, this was, this was wonderful. You should do this again next year. And Jolly Blackburn happened to be there. And he's the author of Knights of the Dinner Table which just had their 300th uh, issue, by the way. Uh, where that'll be celebrating that at GaryCon. Yeah, yeah, that's quite a milestone. But he said, you can call it GaryCon. And I had no idea that was that was in their world. That was uh, their Gen Con, essentially, uh, for Gary oh, Jackson. Okay. Right. Yeah, right. Gary Jackson is their main character, like their Gary Gygax, Steve Jackson crossover. So GaryCon's their Gen Con. And he, he, he kind of said it to me. Well, I said, okay, sure. And so I threw a game day the following year in 2009. GaryCon, that was GaryCon 1, and uh, I had no idea if 50 people would show up or, you know, whatever. Uh, about 175, 176 people showed up, <clears throat> and we had a great time, and it just grew from there, uh, and then I started actually planning things, because people were like, well, what kind of events do you have? I don't know. Sit down and play a game. What are you, what are you looking at me for? I don't, I don't know. Uh, uh, so, yeah. No, so Luke, I, I, so I, I, after yeah. 15 years, I imagine the numbers are much bigger than that, that 175 you were getting. Yeah, yeah. So it kept growing and growing and growing, and we outgrew, uh, you know, actually outgrew the American Legion Hall the first year. That was too crowded for us. So we mm -hmm. went to uh, a place called The Ridge, uh, and we outgrew that by GaryCon uh, 7. It was so, <laughs> we're basically on top of one another. So I moved to the biggest place, the Grand Geneva, which used to be the Playboy Club, and interestingly enough, was the, uh, the home of Gen Con 10 way back when. And so I was very excited. I thought, there's no way I'll fill up this place. It is huge. Well, within three years, I was at capacity of that place as well. And we're, <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're, we're probably anywhere, you know, 2,500 would probably be the lowest number I'd expect this year with walk-ins and stuff. I suspect we'll, we'll probably cap out at about 2,800, 2,900, which is really about as big as we, as we can reasonably fit. The idea is not to jam as many people into a place as possible. The idea is to replicate the uh, warm, welcoming uh, experience that I had, uh, that I that I felt as a as a boy mm. at places like Winter Fantasy or Spring Revel, these tiny conventions in Lake Geneva in 1977 or whatever it is, where I could just <clears throat> walk up to anybody uh, that's playing a game and say, "Hey, what are you playing?" And they'd say, "Oh, we're doing this. Uh, do you want to learn?" And I thought that was great. And so I'd say yes, and I'd sit down and learn games and have fun and, and make friends. And I always experienced that at those small conventions. It may have helped that I was the son of the guy, but as a kid, I, I maybe didn't know that. Right? <laughs> but, but I'd like to think yeah. that, that mostly it was a warm and welcoming community. And we were all, you know, back then, it wasn't cool to be a gamer. I'm going to. In case you didn't know, yeah, some of the younger, some younger folks are like, "What do you mean? Yeah, D and D is cool." No, no, it was not cool. 
It was Thank not you for saying that out loud. Yeah, you had to hide that stuff because people yeah. would want to really give you a hard time, call you nerd, and nerd was not a term of endearment. That was meant like nerd, like Revenge of the Nerds. Watch that movie. That's not, it's lampooning it a little bit, but there's a lot of truth in that movie, okay? So uh, it's a silly movie, but it, it, it hits on those themes. It's funny because there was elements of truth in there, which is what all good humor relies upon. But uh, so Gary Connick fostered that, that attitude. Sure, you, 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 you yep. uh, pay a price you know, to get in. You pay for your badge. But uh, we try to avoid charging for any events. There's a couple exceptions, like if there's a big prize at the end. Or if you go play D&D &D at 330 Center Street, my old home where D&D &D was written, we have to rent that from the person who gives it to charity. So those tickets are 100 bucks, but you know that. And that's, that's, a, that's really a kind of a bucket list a thing to do, right, is go play uh, old nice. 1974, uh, you know, OD&D &D scenario uh, that my dad had done that was never published, right? And play that it it uh, at three thirty Center Street. That's that's a that's a special thing, right? But the vast majority, you can go there and not spend Luke, an I, additional dime. Yeah. But yeah, if I can jump in here, I just want to talk about that sure. um, that that welcoming attitude, that that culture that that exists uh, at GaryCon. Certainly, I think Dan and I experienced that uh, when we mm. came a couple yeah. years ago. Um, and I've I've noticed that that is like a I think for me that's a major hallmark of the difference between some of those smaller conventions and like the big you know tens of thousands of people conventions which are their own thing it's a spectacle it's neat to see but like going to local cons around here like total con you definitely get that feeling of 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 camaraderie and community coming in the door uh i'm kind of curious um gary con now is uh less than two weeks away i believe as of as of the recording of this um do you have to cap admittance to in order to maintain that size of community uh can can people still go at this point or is it already sold yes out? Uh, yeah, if you want to go, go to play.garycon.com. There's, I think, about 150 four-day badges left, uh, which will get you in. It's 100 bucks, four days of gaming. Um, the struggle might just be, uh, you know, a hotel room within, you know, certainly not in the building. So, it, But if you're willing to drive 10, 15 minutes, there's numerous hotels. It's a resort town, and this is not a uh, peak period, obviously, in March in Wisconsin. Not the greatest time to go for the weather. Uh, however, it's a great time to be inside playing games in a beautiful resort. So, yeah, you absolutely can do that. Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to come sooner. If you can come this year, come this year. It's Larry Elmore's last year that he's going to any convention. This is the only convention that Larry goes to anymore. And, and, and he said, you know, probably it's for sure the last time he's working a booth. He's bringing his wife, Betty. He said they haven't worked a booth together in about 20 years. But he said, the last booth I work, I want to do it with Betty again. And so he and Betty are going to work the booth. Um, he's going to do a signing with Joe Manganiello. They're going to sign the Archon, uh, our Prince of the Archon, uh, you know, painting that he did. Uh, and, and you just never know, you know, who's going to be able to make it next year and, and who's not. Jeff Perrin's health is not very good. He's the co-author of Chainmail with my dad. You know, um, Mike Reese did practice with my dad. He's, you know, had some health problems. Uh, as people may or may not know, Luzaki who won the Gary Gygax mm -hmm. Lifetime Achievement Award last year. He was the first kind of dice slinger in, in America. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, game science dice, very important fellow. I remember him as a kid. He used to do like a magic show, like a ventriloquist dummy and play a saw. It was terrible. <laughs> but Lou was a great guy. He was also a uh, Air Force veteran, retired Air Force, uh, retired enlisted guy from the Air Force, and was a colonel mm -hmm. in the like, State Military Reserve and down south. So uh, anyway, Lou's a good guy. 
Uh, he had some real health struggles recently, but he is safe and sound. <clears throat> People were worried about him, so uh, but I got the word he's safe and sound with family. So so life is good there. But this happens. None of us are getting any younger. Please come sooner rather than later to experience uh, some of these folks. And of course, we have yeah. a wide range from you know you can play Chainmail and Original Dungeons Dragons with Tim Cask, all the way up to playing Fifth Edition with Mike Morales at Gary Con and everything. Great, great. And that was one of my favorite experiences when, when Paul and I went, and I, I believe in, in 2018, we were really, we're not going to be there this year, but we'd like to come back uh, soon. Uh, being able to rub shoulders with all of my heroes and, you know, design <clears throat> stars to me was, uh, the, the, for, for me, there was no better place to go than Gary Khan for that. That was really, really delight. And, and again, you, you know, you yourself, Luke, so you didn't know who we were at the time, you know, so warm to us and other people and uh, that I was just really surprised well, how, how much before? time they wanted to chat. I, not, Did I actually meet you guys? Maybe Paul. Okay. okay. I, I don't, I think I <laughs> met you, I met you at DairyCon for the first time. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying, I'm just kidding you a little bit. I was just like, yeah, hard for you to remember a little kid. And I, of course, gamers. See that? Yeah, that's one thing that kind of kind of freaks me out a little bit. It's kind of strange. Celebrity gamers, right? You know, people who are celebrities, and I think sometimes that can take a take a turn that's not desirable. Um, you know, back in the day, we we're all nerds, right? We we're all nerds, and we hung out together. So, you know, I'm just as I'm as nerdy, if not nerdier, than than every everybody else out there, right? So, uh, you know, why put on some sort of pretense or anything like that? My dad never did that. He was always thankful to fans who came up. Sometimes, you know, if he was in the middle of doing something, he'd have to say, hey, can I, you know, maybe now is not a good time. Uh, but I see good stuff. Like I had Matt Mercer uh, to Gary Khan 10, I think it was. And oh my gosh, you know, he came, yeah, I didn't announce it. He just came to play, right? I was like, just come and play, man. Just, I know you get hassled everywhere you go. Just, just come and, you know. poor guy got mobbed anyway, right? You know, it was just, he got mobbed anyway. But he was the sweetest kindest guy and you know i offered i said hey you want us to help get you away from you know these hundred people who are gathered around you when you're just trying to walk the dealer hall and he's like no no this is okay and so he took like two hours of the you know very limited free time they had to sign autographs and talk to people as he as he worked wow. through uh and that's you know it's just a great attitude and of course joe manganello is a a gamer's gamer right uh and he comes and mm -hmm. plays and <clears throat> Gosh, you know, Todd Stashwick, people are like, oh, my God, Todd Stashwick's going to be at Gary Khan because he's on Picard. He's, uh, what, Captain Shaw on Picard now? He's he got okay. that gig. But, he can't, but he's been to Gary Khan before, you know. <laughs> and he's, just, <laughs> he's just, he's one of he's, he's one of us. He's one of us, right, guys. You know, he's just a gamer. So, yeah. uh, you know, I invite people to come uh, just who love to play D&D. &D, and if they have some fame or whatever, uh, elsewhere, that's that's okay. I try to respect them and just have them be able to come and nerd out and be a kid with the rest of us. What What about you, Luke? I guess um, you know, as uh, I mean, between the between the the the, the celebrity and the um, just being the administrator of the of the convention, I'm sure that is demanding on your time as well. Uh, do you get to oh, play? Yeah. And and if so, like, what, what do you what are you looking forward to playing? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, made some more time to play this year. Uh, I got away from, I was doing more streaming uh, going into like GaryCon 10 and 11. And then uh, last year, I was like, man, you know, this takes away from a lot of my ability to do stuff here and be present because uh, I was streaming two, three games. 
Hmm. Uh, so I've dialed that back. I'm running um, hmm. Ayush and Tufi, Hardish and Tufi, the two, two, part one and part two of the three-part series. Part three will be coming out Kickstarter on April 4th. So talk about nice. that. Uh, uh, yeah, the Fadish and Tufi. So we're working on that right now. And uh, uh, so I'm going to play, I'm going to run those. I'm going to put together just a silly, fun uh, beta version of a game called Techno Dragons. It's kind of labeled, uh, t- you know, uh, that's its working title. Uh, with my friend Flint Dilly, who's a, a screenwriter and, and, and game designer, has worked on Diablo and a bunch of other stuff. Um, oh, cool. Oh, uh, <laughs> Ingress was one of the games he did with Niantic. It's a geolocation game that they based Pokemon <laughs> off of. So anyway, really great guy. I've known him since I was like 13. He worked with my dad. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're we're doing that, putting together a little little test, test for that. Uh, and then I'm playing a game of D&D. Uh, at Beyond Barrier Peaks with my friend uh, Andrew Perry and a bunch of uh, bunch of cool guys uh, that are going to come and do that, um, like Mike Morales and Joe and Nick Manganello and a couple of their gaming group folks who are going to be there. Uh, so it'll be a lot of fun. <clears throat> my buddy James Hunter, who's an author, will be there. So it's, it's like our, our fun game. Uh, and then okay. Saturday, I'm going to play with with Jeff Chelanian, who was at who was at uh, TotalCon. You guys were at recently. Really, really good guy. Also worked oh. with my dad. Uh, and we're going to play some Hyperborea uh, on that night. So, yeah, I get to do a fair amount of gaming uh, as well as run around with my hair on fire uh, trying to do everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. Before I forget, so we, you know, we've had uh, uh, Joe Manganello on the show uh, once in the past, and Paul has had the opportunity to game with him a couple times. We had uh, John Peterson on in the fall, of course. Uh, next year, 2024, will be the 50th anniversary of the publication of Dungeons and & Dragons. And I guess uh, uh, Joe and and John are working on, I guess, a documentary for uh, Wizards, to my understanding. Are, any chance you're going to appear in that at some point? Maybe be on screen for that at some time? Yes. So they're using, uh, they purchased the footage from the old D&D documentary from way back in 20. 20- 13 oh. or 2012, whatever that was, 2014. Oh. I, I don't even remember. So they've got that. So they'll have young Luke <laughs> probably doing some <laughs> stuff. And they'll have older older bearded me uh, that they shot last year uh, as well. So, so yeah, uh, I'll, I'll be in that. And uh, Joe, <laughs> Joe occasionally, he's like, text me random stuff like, hey, do you have this person's number? Or uh, uh, is it true that some people are saying Dungeon Master was based on the Red Wizards of Thay. Is there any truth to that? I'm like, no, that's like free rune. I don't hmm? think that's true. What? That's no, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but those are kind of some just like, you know, I think he's just winging those ones off at me. But then he'll sometimes text or, or, or I'll be able to chat with him. And he'll talk about the people he's interviewing. Uh, and hmm. he is so enthused. Because him and his brother, Nick, are working on it along with um, uh, our, our buddy. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm forgetting... <laughs> I'm forgetting his name. It's that's that's uh, Newman, uh, Kyle Newman. Kyle Newman, of course. I've gamed with Kyle. He's a friend of mine. I feel like a uh, you know terrible for losing, losing that out of my mind. Newman. Kyle Newman, director. <laughs> yeah, Newman. Uh, yeah, Kyle Newman. Uh, is, and Joe are, are directing, and of course, Nick helps uh, uh, Joe produce uh, everything. So, uh, as an aside, I'm like six three. And uh, not a small guy. And uh, I got a picture. <laughs> it's up on my social media and my Instagram and Facebook where I got finished up the interview and I'm standing with Nick on one side and Joe on the other. Nick is 6'7 and Joe is 6'5. 
my gosh, I look like a midget in here. What's going on? I look like a little guy. Uh, that was pretty fun. Uh, but no, great, great, great folks. They'll be at GaryCon with a bunch of people to shoot the 50 years of D&D or whatever that, that's, uh, that's called. So yeah, they will be doing that at GaryCon. Um, oh, cool. And yes, I'll, I'll definitely be in there. And uh, I had like probably three hours of interview with him and a couple hours with the guys before. So I'm sure they'll be pared down to a few minutes. You know how it is. So if folks at uh, are at GaryCon, there's a there's a there's a possibility they might be part of part of a historical documentary uh, this year is what I'm hearing there. Yeah, absolutely. Good. That's that's true. Yeah. You know, okay, so you just brought up you just brought up where did where did Dungeon Master come from? And for what it's worth, you know, I was rereading the Elric stories uh recently and I realized that there's a right there's a title in there called The Dragon Master and it's capitalized the same way and I'm like is it is it possible that 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 Dungeon Master is possibly a little bit of a riff on the uh the Melnabonian Dragon Master possibly, which at least did predate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's entirely that's entirely possible because look at Appendix N, right? My dad said, "Hey, look, I stole a bunch of ideas from here. I was inspired by." It. Yeah, there's no new ideas under the sun, right? So it's not like he just sat down and said, "Let me dream up all this cool stuff." No, he was consuming stuff, you know, combining things, you know, working on it. That's the creative process, right? You combine ideas and things in in different ways, unexpected ways, things that hasn't been done, haven't been done before, and you get cool stuff. So yeah, very well could be. He didn't. He wasn't a huge fan of Elric, though. Just FYI, but he did. Okay, read. all right. Okay, interesting. It's one of the few things in you know named in chainmail, right? He names he names Conan, uh, probably John Carter and Elric's in there. So that's that's an interesting, interesting well, take. He found it interesting, but I don't think he liked Elric, which we, nobody likes Elric, right? Do we really? Does anybody really like mm -hmm. Elric? He's kind of not the in, in, hero. in the original <laughs> stories. You shouldn't. You really shouldn't right. from the original <laughs> stories. I read him. I, I kind of didn't either. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, kind of like George Martin because I'm so mad at that guy. <laughs> I'm sure he's a great dude, but George R. R. Martin. But I read his books and I was so enthused when I was reading them. I know I'm. This is, he's a real person, basically. But <clears throat> I'm just frustrated with <laughs> killing all the cool characters. I'm still mad at George R. R. Martin. I was so mad when I read the, the Red Wedding. I was like, No, you didn't. And I was like, I'm gonna something's <laughs> gotta good has gotta happen. Okay, hey, this is a, this is the big twist, and then we're he's gonna turn it around. Nope. Nope, he didn't turn it around. I was like, okay, I'm done with it. And I put those books down and I I never I didn't read them anymore. And uh, they're sitting back on my shelf. But uh uh but I of course enjoyed the, the HBO series because I thought they kinda saved George from himself you know, in a way. Mm -hmm. And added a little bit more high fantasy. I felt it was too low fantasy for me, but anyway, this is not a this is not a Game of Thrones yeah. uh, uh, interview. But but yeah, one hundred yeah. DMs literally criticism. Yeah, we'll read stuff and we're influenced, right? Elric Elric was yeah. kind of a, a yeah. He had a lot of flaws, right? He's you know he's not yeah you know, he's not uh, well. John Carter Mars didn't have too many flaws, did he? Right? He was just kind of a hero, right? And yeah, Conan, yeah, Conan. His flaws were he liked to party too much and was a wastrel with his money, like bad money management, right? But other than that, he wasn't necessarily <laughs> a bad guy. Uh, whereas Elric kind of, you know, kind of weaselly. Yeah. Yeah. 
in in uh, in the in the the deities and demigods book when he gets statted up they give him chaotic evil alignment and i'm like that's at least arguably defensible so that's yeah, yeah. When, the, when when he appears in the first story he's just he's just you know he just destroys everything everything's gone by the time he comes through you know yeah. i read in your bio so, i didn't realize this I, got, I have in your bio that you collaborated uh with your father on uh on crafting the barbarian class in advanced mm -hmm. D, which which to my reading has always been you know, a clear um, homage to Conan, actually. What, what, do you remember what pieces you, you added to that class, actually? Oh, I just, yeah, I just mean I played it. I literally play tested it. He okay. said, hey, sit down, kid. And in his den, he's like, eight, eight dice and roll it. He's like, okay, that's like your strength or whatever. Take seven dice and roll it. That's your con. Take six dice and roll it. That's your dex, right? You know, pick, pick the best ones and take a 12 sider and roll your hit, hit dice. And I rolled a 12. So I, 20 hit points in an 18 con and, and, and a 12 on a die, which was I would naturally rolled. You, you watch me. Uh, usually my die roll is horrible. So that's why this is special. But normally I can fail at anything. I was, I was hot that day. And that was Quag the Frusty. Q U E G. Quag the Frusty was the, the first uh, barbarian character rolled up. So it was in Greyhawk. And uh, I just went on adventures like, uh, like Conan, <laughs> you know, gotten some hijinks and stuff like that, and just had a lot of fun playtesting the various rules that he had kind of penciled out or whatever and i'm sure he adjusted based on how things went as we were playing but again i was what, 10 or something or 11 i don't know i was a kid great that would that's a great thing for a 10 year old frankly that's uh, that's yeah, how I, you ought I to was, start is with that I, kind of character yeah it was great my first character was a, a ranger otis the ranger i played him in a very very early version of hamlet and uh I was the, uh, they hired, back then you would hire men at arms to accompany you into, on an adventure, right? Because it was pretty deadly and, you know, if there was like 50 kobolds or something, you needed some, some extra swords. Uh, but I was really working for the druid of the wood and my dad kind of pulled me aside, hey, you're actually spying on these guys, you're a ranger, you got some special abilities, like, okay, cool. Uh, I was four. So. <clears throat> it's like, great, tell me when to roll the dice. Uh, and then, you know, I took him through. Uh, tons of adventures. You know, we cleared out the moat house and then we moved on to probably something in between. I don't remember, recall what it was, but I remember going and fighting uh, the steading of the hill giant, giant chief, the whatever glacial rift of the frost giant girl and the hall of fire, fire giant king, because I was a ranger. Those are all giant classes. It's like, yes! Extra damage! <laughs> if you remember back at AD&D, rangers were yeah. gold. They were golden against giant class. So yeah, I made it to and I, then we went through and play tested all the Drow series, uh, the Shrine of the Kutoa, Descent of the Depths, blah, blah, blah. And that was great. And uh, <clears throat> I think I made 10th level by the end of that, which is a Ranger Lord. It's a pretty high level back in the day. Uh, <laughs> I, st I still remember this, guys. It's just back, in, back in my day, young gamers. Uh, <laughs> so there was this cool, all this cool Drow magic items, right? And my dad was very parsimonious with magic. Just FYI, it was not easy to get take every chance he could to destroy it uh, by making roll saving throws for it when you failed your area of effect damage spells. But there was all this neat stuff, and I was loaded down with all this drow gear. It's like, yes! And of course, we get out, we're celebrating, we have a great time. We wake up the next day, oh, it all looks kind of, you know, it looks a little different because it's all threadbare and worn, and it's not, you know. So it was all, the sunlight had touched it. It all, it lost all its magical properties, right? Yeah. One of the designers, I think, in third edition, like really um, criticized that, 
right? I, I kind of like, I actually, you know, as a, as a DM reading that stuff, I actually kind of liked it of like, of like, here's a whole bunch of stuff that you get to play with for a short amount of time. And then it goes away. It doesn't break the rest of the campaign. And I remember there was a third edition design that really um, harshly criticized that. And I'm like, no, don't take that away, man. That's, that's interesting and novel and unique. I don't mind that. <laughs> yeah, it's, and, it, and it's fun. I mean, what's the whole point of adventuring? If I have millions of gold pieces, tons of magic, what's my motivation? What's my motivation to go adventuring, right? Why? Why would I bother doing that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire and I'm going to be fat and happy, right? So you got to keep them hungry. Conan, when he made a big score, what happened to Conan? Somebody robbed him. Right. Yep. <laughs> And then, yeah. oh, man, I yeah. got to go figure another heist because I got to keep the adventure going. Duh. So that's why there's training costs you gold pieces, uh, you know, magic mm -hmm. items, doing that research for spells all uses up your resources. Why? So you have a reason to go to work. Otherwise, if you just have piles of money sitting around, what's the, what's the <laughs> point? You got to take some of it, some of it away. And, and I did get my revenge. So I, yeah. I uh, did a little adventure. Uh, or, well, pretty big adventure called uh, the Lost City of Gaxmore uh, with my brother Ernie way back when he was running the hobby shop for uh, Margaret Weiss in Lake Geneva. And uh, he needed a third edition had come out and they needed somebody to run a, a, a game at the shop. He did, you know, my brother didn't want to learn the rules, so he said, you DM. I was like, okay. So I learned the rules and we DM'd. We co-created this this uh, thing. And my buddies at Troll or the game, Steve Chenault, said, let's, let's publish it. I was like, okay we can do that and my dad jumped in and was was part of the group and was playing and so he was playing tempros granger which was uh like an old imperial uh captains so kind of go basically push forward in time more or less from like the roman empire and uh they the city's been overtaken by all sorts of humanoids for various reasons great book pick it up if you can troll lord games uh, <laughs> but uh they defeated a, a a hill giant and some some minions who breathed acid on him right it, it had an acid breath and uh <laughs> my dad was like searching the hill giant going all right what's this magic i didn't let him breathe uh acid breath and i was like yeah you don't find he's like oh that's really curious and he's and he's like searching i was like but you do notice there's like a a, a drag a black dragon tattoo on his arm that's kind of fading away you know now that he's <laughs> now that he's it was like magic tattoos were a thing if you remember <laughs> so they introduced that in one of those one of the you know off third, third party press but he's like oh that's the worst you're like the, the cheapest dm ever and i was like yeah how does it what? feel how does that feel <laughs> oh oh you thought you're gonna get something cool and, and you don't oh i'm so i'm so sorry for you oh, that was great i loved it i was like yes. that so, it, 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 yeah that's a little bit you know Sure, uh, I get it. Your style of gaming evolves a bit, and I think uh, your dungeon master in the past was, you know, they're, they're supposed to be a neutral arbiter, of course, right? And and give consistency so that people can compete and have fun, and and, and it's not, you know, otherwise you, you lose interest in the game, right? Uh, but they were there to present challenges to you for you to figure out in the form of mapping and figuring out the puzzle of where things were and the combats and, and things of that nature. And if you died, you know, if, if, if you made a rash choice or just the dice fell against you, you know, more often than not, you let the dice fall as they may. Uh, and people had the ability to, to screw up and make bad decisions. And there were consequences. I think that's evolved a bit more. And we see in fifth edition where it's really, 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 really hard for a DM to kill a character, even if you are a horrible, vicious DM who wants to kill your character, which you shouldn't be. You shouldn't want to do that. 
But if they make poor choices, <laughs> there's still a lack of consequence, I think, a lot of times. So, uh, and that shifted, and, and, and you can see that in people's tastes. Probably why this third edition guy was like, why would you take magic items away from people? They should always yeah, I think be getting more power for more power. I agree. You know, before we get off the, the, the classic adventures, I'm interested that you went through the whole, you played through the whole, the, the GD series. And I think I, I can probably guess, here's, here's two questions. One, did you, you know, the, um, the Drow Adventures have this really elaborate, right, underground map of, you know, just dozens and dozens of places in this, you know, descent in the depths of the earth. Did you, did you go off track and ever explore one of the other places on that big map? Or did you just stick on the, the main path to that series? We probably stayed on the main path because we were playtesting. I mean, we took some little asides and there'd be wandering monsters and stuff. But I imagine uh, that my dad, even if we wandered off, probably redirected us back towards there. Because okay. remember, he's playtesting this for publication. And there's probably some deadlines. So okay. uh, he'd allow us a little bit of freedom. But, but yeah, then he moves back on it. And absolutely, you were mapping everything. There was no, I'm going to show you the map. That never happened. Got it. Got it. Interesting. And did you spend, so if you, you started with, with Hamlet, which at least in the text that your father wrote says, well, I made this for like new players that were starting out when everybody else was too high level. So did you, did you spend, did you do much gaming in his castle Greyhawk or was it uh, mostly this other stuff? It was mostly the other stuff as Otis. I think we did a little bit of Greyhawk, um, obviously in between probably Hamlet and uh, uh, Hill Giants. Um, but of course, it was a long time ago, and, and I don't remember perfectly. But sure, sure. when Otis met an ignoble end, uh, <clears throat> and I was probably 10 or 11 at that point, uh, I rolled up another character and uh, took, ended up taking Melf, uh, Melf the Elf, on a series of adventures in Castle Greyhawk, where I did, I might recall those a bit more. And uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And that was more your classic dungeon style of. Got it. Kicking open doors and, and, and you know, relatively random <laughs> combats in, in dungeon delving. Uh, and then, I, of course, with him, I also play-tested. Um, probably the mo biggest one I play-tested was S4, Lost Caverns of Sajkanth, w yeah. along with WG1, which was an aside, the Lost, uh, Lost Temple of Thrizden. And mm -hmm. uh, through, through, the, through the Looking Glass? Through the Magic Mirror. Through the Magic yep. Mirror yep. and the Dungeon Land. I did those. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, I did did a bunch of those as as Melf and uh, and some just great adventuring. Some of the Gord Gord books, Melf appears in those. We role played those, and then my dad right. wrote it up. So yeah. oh, crazy! Really? Wow! Holy moly! Yeah, he huh. laughed and laughed. He's like, "Oh, you totally fell for it." <laughs> He's like, "I wasn't <laughs> sure if he was going to be able to fool you," and I was like, "That's stupid. I knew I shouldn't trust him." <laughs> but I had a little wisdom. Melf Melf had this is a kid. You know, your power gamer. My dump stat. His charisma was terrible, like a nine or something, and his wisdom was like a ten or something like that. So he was not, you know, he was kind of arrogant and pushy, and uh, not the wisest fellow. Incredibly smart, you know, pretty pretty strong, dexterous, and all that. But yeah, not not wise and not. Uh, all right. So, so was, you're the creator. So you're, you're the original player of Mouth. And you, he gets documented in the books, and you have these. Uh, so I, I, I wanted, if 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 you're okay, I wanted to run by a couple D and D spell questions to you today. Um, and the first one is, you know, the books have uh, AD and D Unearthed Arcana has Melf's Acid Arrow and Melf's Minute Me Meteors, which you yourself invented, to my understanding. 
Were there any other spells that Melf invented that didn't get in the books or possibly got rejected by the DM? Or were those the only two things you made? Oh, I'm sure, yeah, there were. I don't remember what they were now because I'd be like, well, I want to do this. That's preposterous. So you can't, I'm not even entertaining that. And it would be, be discarded. But yeah, uh, only the ones that made it. You know, I remember the ones that, that made it because I got to use them and see them uh, before. But yeah, there was, there was ideas that just, no, 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 magic can't do that. You know, probably as a kid, you know, game breaking spells. So no, I don't have a good story about that. But, but yes, I would come up with ideas and, uh, as any any parent is used to, you sometimes say no to these wild ideas that your kids come up with, and no doubt it was probably just preposterous. All right, so I got I got three I got three D and D spell questions here, and I asked them because I have been playing D and D for quite a while. Uh, I was playing on Friday night, and I still run into these spell interactions that surprise me and and shock me that I like I never considered this. I don't have an instinct for it. I can't believe so much time has gone by. And I asked some other people, and I'm going to ask both. I'm going to ask Paul first, and I'm going to ask, and then I'm going to ask Luke. And I'll say that that each of these things, right? I don't think there's going to, you know, a universal answer to, you know, many of these questions. Different DMs are going to run it differently. I'm going to say that that my int these particular things, my intuitions were clearly opposite most other people's. So I'm going to say that I personally have been wrong about all of these things. Just to be just to be clear about it. So, so three things that three among among my list. Here's three things. Number one. So, Paul, you first. Okay. Mirror image. And Paul, you every time that you play a wizard in my game, mirror image is the first thing you usually cast. Yep. Mirror image. Definitely one of my favorites. Should it yep. should it protect against directly aimed spells like a charm or a polymorph or a disintegrate? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, my my my. Without the text in front of me, my gut answer is yeah, sure, of course, why not? Luke, in your experience, uh, or, yeah. or how? Yeah. <clears throat> so, is, with a charm, with a charm, I think you're speaking, right? And it's really the audio mm. that you're targeting, right? Oh, so, I think that one, interesting so I take. Think that one would would apply, right? That having multiple of you doesn't affect that. Disintegrate. I'm going to pick one of those targets. So you could get zapped. You might not. Uh, and the other one was also like one of those targeted, like kinetic attacks. Polymorph. Right? So, yeah, I would say on those two. Yeah, polymorph. Yeah. If I try to polymorph the incorrect image then it obviously it just disappears it fails uh but if i hit the right person okay okay what about hold person oh, what about hold person ah shit <laughs> <laughs> oh i'd have to look at the skull <clears throat> for me i envision that one is probably having uh a verbal and semantic uh uh component uh, you know aspects to the spell mm -hmm. so i i would feel like you would need to direct that at someone as well uh although it can take yep. a few so you can have multiple targets if they tried to, if they knew, so they know there's a mirror image, they're intelligent enough, they could say, I'm going to throw, there's three mirror images, I'm going to throw it on these two. And then okay. I would okay. represent. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, okay. that was and, what and, I was thinking too with the whole person. I would think, you, you, yeah, if you have enough targets, right, why not? I'll just target all the images. Surely I'll right. get and, the right so one. So they get maybe a little bonus the, on their the stage, but, yeah, but you've covered, yeah. you've covered the areas. I think that's, that seems yeah. reasonable. That reasonable to me. You know. Great, great, awesome, great. Let's, let's get great. to the new Okay, second question, second question. Do, do mental attacks, so Paul first, do mental attack yeah. spells work against slime monsters, like a, like a green slime or a black pudding or an okra jelly? So like a wait, charm wait. or a sleep or a fear against a slime monster, work or not work? No, uh, again, off the cuff, my gut says no way. Come on, these are, these are like 
basically like single cell organisms that have just been, you know, made made huge and terrible. Do they even have a brain? I'm going to say no. Luke, I agree. No way. Nah. Okay. All right. Okay. Now here's the, okay. Here's my final question, and I've already run it by Paul in the past, and and and, and I'm literally, so to my understanding, I'm the only person in the world that read it the way that I do. So in advance, I'm already wrong. But so Paul, once again, I'm going to see if your answer has changed. Mm. Can a conjured elemental hit? a golem, like for example, an iron golem. And golems, again, their fundamental ability is they're immune to all magic. So can a conjured elemental hit an iron golem? Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm trying to, the funny thing is I remember you asking this in the past, and so I'm, I'm hoping I'm consistent here, but um, I'm, I'm gonna say yes. I wanna say yes. I think that the, the magic of the conjuration is already over. Uh, it's here now, right? So why not? It's, it's just a physical attack at that point. That's what I would think. Luke, same? Different? Yeah, that, that makes sense because I would say, all right, I've magically opened some portal or whatever and brought somebody in. However, that creature is now here. So I took them from somewhere else, put them here. But yeah, that they are. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I teleported whatever, my friend over, they, you know, they could, they could surely swing their sword at him, right? Yeah. Okay. Even though, even though, to my <laughs> understanding, from what, from what Luke's father wrote, when, when Rob Kuntz ran the first Iron Golem and Mordenkainen uh, conjured an Efreet from an Efreet bottle, uh, Rob Kuntz did not permit the Efreet to affect the Iron Golem. Still, still same answer, everybody? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it. So my, yeah, my question, damn, it's from an Efreet bottle, but it's still an Efreet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Rob might have gotten that wrong. Rob was probably like 15. And. I know they had a pretty adversarial relationship. And so he was probably <laughs> trying to get back at my dad for something he did to Robolar. So that might have, there might have been some personality involved there. So I, I think Rob, if that's the case, I think Rob got it wrong. The magic is the bottle that the Efreet is contained in and then can be summoned from. But then the Efreet's an Efreet. Now, if any Efreet couldn't hit the Iron Golem, then yes, that's totally fair. But I don't see like that they're necessarily like a magical creature uh if i made an illusionary creature an illusionary fire elemental and attacked it no it does zero it did cannot affect this mm. fascinating because that oh, i'm so glad i asked illusionary right <laughs> that's great but that's, that's great. how i would do it so glad i asked that's awesome thank you for thank you for fielding that and again you know what 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 you what you guys is apparently the 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 the, the common answer and i'm just i was just way off I was way off in left field on all of these issues, so I really appreciate people helping me out <laughs> personally. I'll tell an embarrassing story. I was running uh, 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 an adventure in Okram, search for Darwa's Temple, probably like 2015 or something like that, one of the first ones at 1E. I did it as a 1E module, and uh, they were being attacked by like some, you know, fires, some scorpions that had this terrible poison that. Uh, it doesn't kill you outright, but it does cumulative damage. So like for like five rounds, it'll be like 1d4, 2d4, 3d4, 4d4, 5d4 of damage. Uh, and so if you neutralize poison or whatever, you're, you know, it's not, but it, but it sucks. It takes, it does some damage to you. Also disrupts spell casting, right? Because if you take damage in first edition, no spell casting. So anyway, oh, yeah. <clears throat> the magic user threw up a wall of fire in a ring around himself, right? And a couple other people, well, of course, it's not supposed to reflect heat. 
towards the one side if you don't want it to, right? Well, I interpreted that it did, right? And he cooked himself, even though that was wrong. That was that was wrong. So even I remember stuff wrong too. You know, Luke, <laughs> it's so funny you said it because I, I mean, I actually knew what I was doing, but this, this exact thing came up on Friday. This, I, I actually had to do deal with this exact same thing two nights ago. And for what it's worth, uh, I had uh, some wizards fighting on an Arctic glacier and there was round by round cold damage. And one of the wizards says, I would like to cast the wall of fire just far enough away that it cancels out the cold damage. And I, for, and I was like, well, that's clever and I like it. And I actually permitted it, even though I knew that technically by the book, that's not what's supposed to happen. So I actually had to feel that same thing in the, this weekend. That's so funny. Yeah, you just gotta, you gotta let people have a little bit of, you know, be able to tweak their spells a, a little bit, you know. Uh, sure, it's fancy and magic, etc. But if you're playing for a position, but uh, uh, yeah, it's nice to have wizards be able to manipulate things and you know finesse it. Yeah, I was, a bit. I was in. I always enjoy that clever use uh, of a or unexpected use of a spell. Uh, uh, Dan, I'm thinking of the time when uh, we had a party that was out in the desert, dying of thirst. Someone cast a wall of ice so we could all drink oh, the, yeah. the melting wall <laughs> of ice, which I thought was pretty clever. But it's, I do but feel like there's, there's cases ice that yeah. I would I would say, well, it's salt water ice, or it's I don't know, <laughs> it's, a, okay. it's a dry uh, ice, dry yeah. ice. So dry, you know, you can't dry ice. <laughs> For what it's worth, I'd hit them with a with one of those uh, you know teleporting scrolls. So they were in a dungeon. They had all their pack animals in the wilderness outside, and they, they the whole party got teleported into the middle of a horrible desert with no equipment. And I was like, ha ha ha, you're all dead. And then they came up with this, and I was like, oh, I think I have to say yes to that. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, the, the one I think throwing throwing environmental challenges at people is great. That's why what I did. I camp with this, you know, I was back from a tour in Iraq, which is southern Iraq's horribly hot. And I was like, man, people always talk about, you know, me included. Uh, you know, my character is weighted down with, you know, chain mail and a full, you know, pack. And I'm carrying gold pieces and I'm sprinting around. I'm like, dude, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Not You're going to yeah. die of heat yeah. exhaustion, right? So I tried to bring that environmental challenges back to people. And uh, in first edition, you can do it. Fifth edition with cantrips and all this prestidigitation stuff. Nope, no yeah. fun. It takes Agreed. all the head stuff away. Agreed. I'm, I'm Agreed. curious. I'm curious, Luke, if you have any any insider memory on this one because this is one that Dan and I've talked about a lot, uh, and we kind of uh, have interpreted uh, the the spell that that always bothers us is silence, and specifically because when we look back at it, it looks to me like the original intent of the silence spell was to be sneaky, right? Let's be quiet and, and sneak around, and at some point it started to become an anti-spellcasting spell. Uh, is that your memory of that? Or was it always an anti-spellcaster spell? Or you have any, any insight into the silence spell? Oh, somebody silenced me. I'm sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Uh, no, yeah, I totally fell was... for it, too. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, Luke's audio cut out. I saw that happen. <laughs> I saw uh, him reach sorry. for control. I, I couldn't read this. I couldn't. Well done. Uh, I well think... Done. I think, uh, yeah, I no, honestly, I can't give you a fair answer on that. If it started off as a sneaky spell, undoubtedly it was rewarded for uh, for good play. If the spell was too powerful, uh, my dad probably would have nerfed it, right, uh, through mm -hmm. playtest, and he didn't. So I think it was meant to 
you know, it does have a radius, right? So you can step outside the radius, yep. with silence with radius. So I think it was meant to uh, to make casters' lives more difficult because, boy, they're pretty powerful. Um, and if you get on the wrong, you know, if you lose initiative or whatever, you can your goose is cooked a lot of times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Okay, so here's a here's the other thing I I, I guess I wanted to ask you about. Um, and some of our viewers know that. Um, uh, so thinking about every at GaryCon every year, I think it's going to still happen this year. You've got a weekend long running uh, tournament of the chainmail jousting game, and um, mm -hmm. at least in the past, you're usually you're usually the la the final boss. Are you doing that again I, this I year? Try to, I, I try to get there. I try to try to get there if I can. My Saturday schedule is so full. Uh, I think they're doing it, it might be right at 6 p.m. if I remember, but if, if you want to know what's going on at GaryCon, you can go to GaryCon.com and uh, click on Attending and select what's happening at GaryCon. It'll tell you when the joust is opening and when the final joust is. I think it's 6 p.m. on Saturday, which would be after our first annual cosplay contest at 1, the uh, Hawaiian shirt pick, right? Everybody wears Hawaiian shirts on Saturday and the presentation of the E. Gary Gygax Lifetime Achievement Award. Then we go into our charity auction for three hours from three to six. Last year, we raised $30,000 in three hours for, uh, to support Wounded Warrior. Uh, this year, we're supporting uh, the local uh, children's hospital, it's, uh, Children's Wisconsin's Foundation, uh, kind of the Milwaukee Children's Hospital. Um, and we're hoping to do that again. And then right afterwards, like immediately after that, I would race over and do the chainmail game. And then uh, I have a seven o'clock uh D, D game Cele celebrity D, D. it's hyperborea with jeff Flanian, but yeah celebrity game uh, uh to kind of wrap up wrap up the evening and actually the 300th issue celebration party to go to right after that so my saturday is jam-packed wow. uh things the more yeah i know it's it's nuts man it's like 10 days of activity packed in a packed in a four days but it but it's great uh, but yeah, the Chainmail Joust is so much fun. I love that game. I, I've done it several times. I even, uh, on Lord Gazumba's channel, we did a jousting, a massive jousting to help. I think we were raising money for St. Jude's right. or something. We did that over. Yeah, so that was great. I got to fight Alyssa Fadden, uh, and it was it was fun because she was uh, smack-talking me on uh, on social media. Of course, yeah, in a friendly manner, obviously. <laughs> uh, she's a great person. Uh, <laughs> and But I, I managed to pull off the victory. I was like, yes. Uh, that's so, that's so. great. We love all those guys, and we've had we we've been on Lord Gasumba's show, and we've had Alyssa Patton on here. So some of our viewers know that in the fall, I wrote an academic paper, and I had it uh, published at the Computers and Games uh, Twenty Two Conference that used to be, I guess, the Computers and Chess Conference years ago, but now it's Computers and Games, where I um, used uh, you know I'm a some people know I'm a math computing professor for my day job where I used the game theory uh, principles to for mathematically solve uh, the book version of chainmail jousting um, and uh, formally prove what the best strategy is. And for what it's worth, last night, I was just uh, sending off the proof uh, to be published in a uh, Springer uh, compilation uh, uh, volume this year that shows that. Now, to be clear, the um, the That may have the, been one of the, the most version. nerdiest things. That, that may have been one of the most nerdiest <laughs> like 15 or 20 seconds that I ever listened to in my entire life. <laughs> FYI. So you should feel very confident. That was amazing. So I have it on my resume now. I have it on my CV and my chair and my math department was like, this is so great. This is so great that you published in this field. 
wonderful. And like, you know, nobody understands what it is, but yeah, that, oh, great. That's a clip, Luke. That's a clip line because that's a badge. So that, so yeah, that's that's a thing. And to be clear, right, the 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 book rules are just slightly different than what you run at GaryCon. Uh, and to my understanding, Tim Cask came up with a modification to make it a little bit more complicated, actually. But I find that when when I run original D and D, one of the main things in the wilderness are these castles, and the players run into it. And one of the main mechanics are you run into these lords that challenge you to a joust. And so, for what it's worth. And you're supposed to use chainmail jousting rules. And so what it's worth in my campaign, I would do that by the book. And, you know, I was better than any any player that I've run into at my table. So the the players would kick this matrix and they'd go, I'm not entirely sure what's happening here. And they'd, they'd get beat every time. So ultimately, my players were like, if anybody, just to, if new people come to the table, if anybody challenges you to a joust, murder them immediately. Do not accept... <laughs> Do not accept the judge. Just murder instantaneously anytime anybody challenges you because you don't want to get involved in the joust with Dan as a DM. So, so, so yeah, I, I noticed to new players. No, I noticed. I, well, I'm not a I'm not a mathematician, but I'm pretty good at just what they call in the army swagging something. So taking a scientific wild ass guess and coming up with some. So maybe it's. Something in the, you know, my, I've been steeped in gaming so much, it just comes out. But I know there's like two, like two or really two best first moves that give you the most advantage. And I can't remember what they are, but I look at the chart and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is going to be the best, best one. And obviously you have to know your opponent though, because you assume they're smart as well. So when Alyssa and I did the same first move, right? And I was like, okay, she's thinking like I am. So then I tried to think I would do this. This is the one that will have the most advantage. Her, and then I, pick that you know so you just gotta tailor what you're doing but if you're just going against blind against somebody who doesn't know you doesn't hasn't thought about it yeah i can't remember what there's there's like two different ones that are clearly the most advantageous and you should stick to those and your your winning percentages are going to be going to be higher and and i haven't done that analysis mostly because i don't have the patience for it so i just look at stuff get about an 80 percent so you have 80 percent answer and i go it's certainly uh, well. Say, so there is, yeah, there, there yeah. is a simplest. There, there's three. There's three tentpole strategies, and there's one that's very simple. That's exactly what you just said. The, the the simplest best strategy is these is these two moves that you're talking about. You're right. Yep. It, it, yeah. I, those are the ones that I just pulled out and said this is going to work most of the time. Have I lost? Yeah. But mm -hmm. most of the time, I I would win. <laughs> cool. Cool. If I'm gambling, awesome. playing twenty one or whatever, playing blackjack. Cool. I would come out ahead. Okay. Using that. So I'm, I'm hoping. That, I'm hoping next time to, when I get back to GaryCon that I'll I'll be able to get get into that and apply. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Like, You're the ringer. Okay. <laughs> got it. I'll lay down some money on Dan. You know that. Thanks. We are really just about out of time here. So to, yeah. Oh my God! It went by so fast. <laughs> here's here's a yeah. short question yeah. and. Uh, Okay, so I got now. I got now. I have two questions here. So here's a short question that we've asked a couple of times. Are you aware? Do, to your knowledge, yeah. are there any recordings? Well, now I have to do a second one. So, uh, uh, to your, are there any recordings of your father running a game session, either audio or video? Oh, there has to be, man. But I, you know what? I can't think of one offhand. Yeah, right? none of us thought to do that, which is really. Incredibly stupid. Now that you say it, yeah. I, I, this is what we've said multiple times on their show. If yeah. anybody knows of this, please tell us. Because at this point, this this question occurred to me like two years ago, and we've been hunting around and asking about it, and and all of our reactions are just like yours right now. 
Yeah, and it's just because I think when my dad was alive during the heyday, we didn't, you know, no one really maybe fully understood the impact of D&D on the person individually mm-hmm. and also on, on, on culture. And so he probably wasn't given the, you know, amount of credit that he should have been given in life. And I feel mm-hmm. that's true. And of course, he was humble. I mean, he was like, man, I'm just a guy who made a game. What are you talking about? Uh, I get, I'm so lucky that I get to share this with everybody. Uh, uh, but you know, I'm a, put my pants on one leg at a time person, just like you. And, uh, you know, I just got super duper lucky in doing this, which is, you know, partially true. Sure. But he deserves some credit. It's pretty groundbreaking and revolutionary. And, yeah. you know, uh, a, you know, when was the last time a genre of games was invented? Hundreds of yes, years ago. Yeah. So it's a pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. So yeah, uh, we don't have that. Now, if you want to experience what it's like in the early days for my dad to run an adventure, read some of his early stuff. Keep on the Borderlands was basically an instruction manual, right? So if, when I went back through and read that to make the comments or forward or whatever for the Goodman Games, what is it? Old Adventures <laughs> Reimagined or whatever it is. Uh, uh, Original adventures, not old. <laughs> Original adventures, uh, reimagined. Uh, <laughs> I when I read it, I was hearing my dad's voice as I read it, uh, and I was like, "Wow, yeah, it's just, this is exactly the way my dad would would have run stuff, right?" So for me, that helped. And also reading things in there was a compilation of his forum posts from, uh oh, Ian World, I think, called Cheers, Gary. Yeah. I don't think you can find it anywhere. Yeah. Uh, it's Ian World Q and A, I think, is what it was. Yeah. Yeah, you, Q&A, right. And it was uh, yeah. Cheers, Gary is what the title was. I have it up there somewhere. Uh, but reading that is also like listening to my dad okay. talk. You know, so that give, will give you, in, that's a lot of insight. Those are some source documents that you could read and kind of get. But no, no one, no one has done that. So maybe <sighs> sitting down and, and running with one of his original group, you know, uh, like a Jim Ward or uh, me or my brother or uh, Rob Koontz, maybe as close as you can get. Mm-hmm. Cool. And here is the final question because Adam Dravian super chatted this on YouTube, uh, and and I'm interested too. How did your father pronounce the name of the demon god Ayas? 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 How did he pronounce it? Yes. Yes. There yeah, you go. Adam. I know people say Ayus, and that sounds grosser. So I applaud you if you want to call it Ayus. If you want to call him Ayus, you can do that. What I did, I was wrong me, again. That sounds like more icky, right? I'm like, ooh, it's Ayus. I don't like that guy. He's gross. <laughs> Drippy stuff on his <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's good. But yeah, so it's like Zuktamoy and Grazd and Iuz and I don't know what other stuff people. Drow, not Dro. That's See, that's what we need recordings for is to like document that kind of stuff yeah. too. <laughs> Absolutely. So, that's all right. I mean, you know, uh, some people like to say Paladin too instead of Paladin. So it's okay. You never heard that one? No, you never heard anyone say Paladin. I mean, that's I've just a normal word. Paladin. That's in the dictionary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, yeah. but still, yeah. people right? even normal. But this words, is so this is right. this is something we encounter all the time. I think Dan of that, like D and D, kind of introduced us to a lot of vocabulary that us that we didn't have otherwise. And then once we actually meet people and yeah. talk to them, we realize, oh, I've never said this word out loud before. I, I internalized <laughs> it <laughs> and, yeah. and and used right. it and, and thought of it a lot, but I never actually had to. Yeah. Say it. I'm pretty sure it's, it's so true. Thaumaturgy didn't have a lot of 
you know, wasn't in yeah. play very much. He had an old 1880-something unabridged dictionary they'd leaf through and pick out strange words. Pop Lollies and Belly Bones was a book he'd pull things out. The Superior Person's <laughs> Book of Words he enjoyed. So he purposefully went out of his way to find words that were not used much. And he enjoyed being able to make people pull out a dictionary and learn new words. Hmm. He thought words had meaning and words had nuanced meaning. And it was better to have more words with more nuanced uh, information when possible. I kind of love. I that. guess that's where you get high Gygaxian from, right? And that's the term. I, yeah. I kind of yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we are, uh, but we're, we're definitely out of time here. now. So I'm gonna have to. Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of cut us off. Talk a little bit about this stuff, though, man. What am I doing now? Besides Gary yeah. Con, I got. I got uh, well, it's funny that you should ask me that, uh, uh, Paul. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> when I retired from the army in in September of of 2022, and decided, hey, I'm going to try creating games. I've been writing for Gary Con. Just you know, just for GaryCon, not really public publicly. And so I got together with a friend of mine, Matt Everhart, who's an Air Force officer. Uh, despite that, he's still a good guy. And uh, we wrote um, uh, Eye of Shintufi together for Five E, and uh, you know that was for GaryCon. And we're like, hey, why why don't we just kickstart this? So we did the second one, the hardest Shintufi, kickstarted that last year, had a pretty pretty decent success. Five hundred people back, backed it. I've uh, run it multiple times, and people loved it. We got the Fetish and Toofy uh, coming out, uh, kickstarting on April 4th. And you can obviously just go to GaxWorks right here, G-A-X-X-W-O-R-X.com. And uh, you can sign up for to be informed of what's going on uh, and take a peek at our Kickstarter page, which I activated yesterday. Uh, so you can take a peek at that and hopefully back us. Uh, and we'll have more stuff coming. Strange and Grim, a diesel punk uh, setting will be coming out soon and uh, a primer for my world of ochre. So that's all on the plate this year. Um, and I know you guys got to gotta go, but come to GaryCon. If you don't see me there, I'll be at, at Gen Con, Tucson Comic Con, uh, UK Games Expo, and Game Hall. Awesome, folks! If you're uh, viewers, if you're if you're looking for those those links to uh, Luke's work with Gaxworks or Kickstarters, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, all those links are description below. So go ahead and check it out. Totally, totally. And remember that uh, you can like uh, you can uh, follow us, the Wandering DMs. Uh, you can like, follow, subscribe to us. We are on a bunch of social media. We're on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and GitHub because we're coders and TikTok. And we have the handle of Wandering DMs on all those sites. So please follow us there, and you'll see updates on upcoming shows. The next time Luke is here, another great guest. I want to see your TikTok. I want to see you guys do some of those dances. That's what I want to see. <laughs> the Wandering That's... DM dance. Could, that hasn't that happened yet. <laughs> But not yet, but yeah. uh, that's yeah. goal. That idea is well, free. Free. Not, Damn. Not well, We're working on it, though. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that. Uh, <laughs> if you Wednesday, uh, want to see us dancing and prefer to just listen to these shows <laughs> in the only podcast format, you go podcast on our website, <laughs> wanderinggames.com. Uh, you can also find us on various podcasts. If you are listening to the show right now, Please rate and review us there. That helps other users of that site find our show, and we really appreciate it. We really do. And big thanks to our patrons who support the show and enable us to have great guests like Luke here. And if you'd like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wandering DMs. And like Paul said at the top of the show, every single tier 
gets you access to our Discord server. And uh, I will be there in about 10 minutes to continue the conversation uh, by live video chat with our great patrons. And look for our other upcoming shows. I'll be back this Thursday for more D&D Wargaming. Uh, myself, Dan Cullinan, every other Thursday, uh, we're here in the house uh, uh, playing a D&D-inspired war game that I call Book of War. And we have now uh, armies of orcs and goblins and trolls and giants and wizards and lords and dragons, and everything's on the table as of this season. So all kinds of crazy spell interactions are happening that we didn't foresee, and you'll get to see me uh, stupefied as go, I'd never considered this. What are we going to do now? And that's uh, happening Thursday at 8.30. And then, of course, Paul and I should be back next Sunday. Uh, Luke, thank you so much for making time uh, in the morning, and you moved your schedule around to be with us today on uh, Daylight uh, Spending Time, and uh, we really appreciate it. Yes, my pleasure. It was a good time. Went by fast. Thank you very much for having me. That's the best. Uh, yeah, we're live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, so we hope that you'll join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then.